eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio from me is Scott Chasen. Scott, how, how was that football game in Lawrence yesterday? Uh, for a half, it was mm-hmm. it's interesting, if not a little boring, was maybe the word, and then there were certainly some fireworks in the second half. They just all came from the, the other team. Yeah, it's those bears, they'll attack you at any moment. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, at Twitter, at the drive 13, and of course, answer our weekly poll questions, make your game predictions over on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at GoPowerCat.com, and this week, one more time at Fog.net, but we'll talk about that later in the show. We'll start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, playing without quarterback Skylar Thompson, Kansas State scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat Nevada, 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 38-17. Fitz, how well did the Wildcats play in this one? Uh, First, Scott, you need to be consistent, and I have consistently said Nevada and Nevada. Okay. okay. That's my choice. I'm going to be consistently wrong half the time. Uh, look, I I was really impressed with Kansas State. They came out and they scored on the second play of the game. Little Howard hit Daniel Imatabebe right down the middle of the field with a you know beautiful, beautiful throw and catch, and he finished it off uh, by battling his way into the end zone. That kind of established a tone, you know. I think Nevada knew that K-State would want to run the ball, but they threw it just enough like that to keep that defense honest. In fact, they ran it 48 out of 61 plays in this game and used two different quarterbacks. Jaron Lewis also saw his first time as a Wildcat with a couple drives, both scoring drives in the second quarter. And Carson Strong in Nevada, this is a special quarterback. He made some throws on Saturday that you typically only see maybe in the NFL. I mean, it was really impressive. He also had some mistakes, including an interception. K-State rattled him, held him uncharacteristically below 300 yards passing. This K-State defense continues to shut down what are proving to be pretty good offenses uh, in those other games. In fact, the, the teams K-State are, are beating, has beaten to get to 3-0, uh, all are uh, unbeaten in their other games. It's It was really impressive what K-State did because then they came out after a sluggish third quarter in which Strong and the Wolfpack tied it up at 17. 
and put up 21 unanswered points with a great mixture of offense and defense. It was a really good day for the Wildcats coming off of the disaster the week before and maybe showing that even though we know now Skylar Thompson is supposed to come back this season, that if he can't play at Oklahoma State next week or against uh, Oklahoma the week after, they have a way to win. Now, Nevada's run defense isn't the best, but K-State did some really interesting things to be able to run the ball when the defense knew they were probably going to run the ball. Deuce Vaughn goes over 100 yards for the fifth straight game. He's over 1,000 yards in his very brief career. An impressive win for K-State to finish that off in nice fashion. Fitz, impressive is the absolute right word. I mean, look, coming into that game, I thought you probably had to be a little nervous if you were a K-State fan, especially at the quarterback spot. But, I mean, you described it perfectly. Not only did they hang tough, did they survive kind of the counter punches that came from the other side, but then they just blew the game open late. It was extremely impressive from yeah, K-State. it really was. And that's a pretty good Wolfpack team. They had beaten Cal earlier in the year, and then Cal almost won in Fort Worth against DCU. So handling them was probably build the confidence in that locker room. Well, Scott, Kansas was down just 14-7 to at halftime. How in the world did the Jayhawks lose by Baylor to Baylor by 40-ish? Yeah, well, Fitz, final score, 45-7, to and, and that means if you're doing some quick math, it was like 31 to nothing in the second half. Uh, I haven't seen a bear mulling that bad since The Revenant. Uh, shout out uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I like but that reference. <laughs> thanks. I worked on that all during the break. Like but, um, uh, look, the, the second half was... For all the things that went well early on, and, and that wasn't much, it was one good offensive drive. It was a, a takeaway by the defense. And, um, you know, Kansas went into that second half with some momentum. It was a seven-point game, and Kansas was getting the ball. So I think if you were a Jayhawk fan, you were thinking, wow, this could be so much worse. Baylor is running the ball at will. Baylor had picked up a couple of uh, fourth downs, and, and Kansas had really uh, kind of hung tough. But what the Jayhawks never had was sort of that turning point moment and play to get things over the hump. And the Baylor offense just kind of continued to roll and roll, and eventually Kansas kind of dropped off. So uh, in the second half, issues with the offense. The offense didn't move the ball. He went three and out six times on the game. They was a, uh, I described it afterward as like a punting exhibition. I think Reese Vernon, KU's punter, put together a highlight reel. He had eight punts on the day. Uh, nowhere close to the KU record because now they do more clock control uh, and play fewer possessions. But uh, Kansas only had one drive that was more than 25 yards, which... I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who you are. If you only have one drive of 25-plus yards or, or one drive over that, you're not going to win that game. Uh, defensively, Kansas struggled. The Jayhawks got two takeaways, including an impressive fumble uh, recovery that should have been a touchdown. Kenny Logan actually picked up the ball, and he was standing up, but I think the referees thought maybe someone had the ball in the pile and called it down. He ran in for a, a touchdown. They didn't give it to him. They marked Kansas down. And again, Kansas, with a shorter field or good field position, didn't capitalize Fitz, the last thing that stood out to me about this game was that Lance Leipold speaking afterward. He was really, I don't want to use the word despondent because that means like kind of hopeless, but he was very down and kind of upset. And, you know, the first question was asked to him, what was the, the biggest issue for the defense? And his answer was a lot of things. And then he proceeded to list a lot of things, both with the defense and the offense. I think he's learning how tough this Kansas job is. I don't think there's any quit in him. But uh, I think this, this game, this performance showed him that Kansas still has a long way to go, miles to go, uh, in fact. Uh, looking at this against Baylor, uh, and this is a team that has yeah. been somewhat comparable to Kansas, uh, coaching his second year to come into Lawrence and do this. So this isn't a good look at all. I mean, this was an Oklahoma 
or Iowa State or even Kansas State or Oklahoma State. This was Baylor, a team that right now Kansas should, should be much more competitive with. Yeah, certainly much more competitive than the final margin. I mean, the line opened at 14 and a half. Uh, that one was kind of a gimme. If you got it there, we bumped it up a little bit, though. But uh, Fitz, let's talk Big 12 football. If Oklahoma is the best team in the conference, we're still going with that. And Kansas is probably clearly the worst at this point. Who stands out of the other eight schools to you? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. And if Oklahoma is the best, I don't know that o- the Big 12 is that good. I'm not very impressed with Oklahoma. I just kind of looked bored mm-hmm. or confused against Nebraska from what I saw. It was a strange game. I thought that would be an absolute blowout. But Oklahoma didn't seem interested in that. It's possible K-State is. I mean, if you look at the the teams they've beaten, they've lined them up. And, you know, Stanford, a buddy told me K-State won because Stanford was awful. Well, Stanford's now scored 40 40 points in back-to-back games since Mm -hmm. losing to K-State. Beat at USC. So maybe it's K-State, maybe it's TCU, maybe it's Oklahoma State that doesn't have the same offense it's had in the past, but all of a sudden it has a defense. It's just going to be really competitive in this conference, and I think I'd move Oklahoma into that pack uh, because they're not exactly shining right now. They, they look good enough. They look probably maybe the best in the conference if Cincinnati isn't in the conference, which they aren't. And uh, But this conference has got a lot of work to do. It's, it's going to be wild and wide open, but someone could emerge and really surprise people, maybe K-State. Well, I think K-State is in that tier at least. Iowa State to me is one. They kind of bounced back this week. They looked really impressive. Uh, kind of had an easy blowout win that started, by the way, like 9.30 p.m. or, or like after that, I, I feel uh, tremendously bad for the people who cover that team who live in the Midwest. Uh, Texas is another one. Uh, at least with Texas, I think you know you have talent. Now, there are always going to be questions, especially replacing a quarterback, especially with what happened when they played SEC competition. You at least have the talent to maybe you feel like when they get the schematic stuff figured out and improved throughout the year that, uh, you know, they can put together some impressive performances. The, the Fitz, the one who has kind of impressed me and, and kind of really maybe surprised me has been West Virginia because uh, they did lose that game to Maryland, but they were incredibly impressive this week, uh, beating Virginia Tech, a good, a ranked Virginia Tech team. I don't know what to make of them. I thought they'd be lower in the, the conference, but they've actually played a pretty good non-conference schedule. They're getting good experience. Uh, they're going to have a chance to grow throughout the year to where at the end of the year, maybe they won't be the second best team, but I think they'll be in kind of that tier where, you know, they could probably beat anyone in the conference. That was a really nice win by the Mountaineers. That, but that, that game they lost earlier in the season to Maryland just has got to stick with them. Yeah. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, will Kansas win a Big 12 football game this year? We look at the results. A, yes, more than one, 21%. B, yes, one win this year, 38%. Most people uh, of the options saying no, that's 41%. But little over half of people think Kansas will win a Big 12 game this year. And, and D was, they're going to win them all and you didn't put it up there my apologies here's this week's question can k-state reach a bowl game if skylar thompson doesn't return would they be capable of getting six wins if skylar thompson didn't play again this season although he's probably going to mm-hmm. vote on our twitter page at the drive 13 the answers are pretty hard yeah. yes or no yeah, yeah so yes or no it's not a very comprehensive no. uh, that will do it for this half of the two minute drill but we will be right back with more on ku and k-state on the drive This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, K-State ends its non-conference schedule unbeaten. Are the Wildcats ready to open Big 12 play next Saturday at Oklahoma State? Yeah, it's a brutal opening for K-State. They go to Oklahoma State, which is 3-0. Then they come home and play Oklahoma, which is unbeaten. And then they got an off week before they play Iowa State. We don't know when they're going to get Skylar Thompson back within that time frame. But they did prove on Saturday that even though they had to go to their backup quarterback, Will Howard, they did find time for their third stringer. Jaron Lewis, this offense can still produce on the ground and find a way to win against a pretty good team. Big reason is Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he just makes you competitive in a lot of games because he can make things happen in an experienced offensive line. But other guys are stepping up. Joe Irvin, Deuce Vaughn's backup, was huge. In fact, he averaged two more yards per carry than Deuce did, but uh, they just tore him up with the ground game. It was really impressive to watch. Now, running against Oklahoma won't be quite as easy, but they are having a great deal of success getting it done on the ground. They want to play possession ball. In fact, Scott, this looked like uh, something from the 80s. Number one, the most shocking thing that happened is there was no interruptions for a replay the entire game. Didn't look at one replay. And then Kansas State kept running the ball and owning the time clock. If they can do that, if they can kind of hold the tempo of the game against some of these Big 12 teams, run the ball effectively no matter who's at quarterback then they're going to be set up pretty well but they will get Skylar Thompson back so the first step to a successful season for Kansas State was clearing all three of those non-conference hurdles because they all were different types of challenges and K-State handled that in fact it's kind of ironic that the biggest trouble they had was with the FCS opponent when once Skylar Thompson was hurt Mm -hmm. They, they have a great chance here, even by just winning one out of the next three games to be in a strong position in the Big 12 because then the schedule gets much more acceptable, palatable after the midway mark of the season. So they can find a way to win two games in the next three outings in the Big 12. They're in really good shape to make a run at playing for the Big 12 title. Very early, but we're seeing signs that this is a vastly improved team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And... If you can limit your opponent like K-State has been doing, then you can get by with backup quarterbacks until you get your starter back. Yeah. Fitz, I think this is a game that's going to be key for two programs to see what direction they're going to go in. You know, Oklahoma State wasn't that impressive, really wasn't impressive against Boise State. That offense, Spencer Sanders has looked horrible this year. I don't know if that's injury-related or what's going on with him, but, uh, you know, a win for Oklahoma State, okay, Oklahoma State now feels good about what it's building in Big 12 play. A win for Kansas State and what you were just talking about, K-State might be one of the best teams in the Big 12. That that would be a a really important and kind of, um, I don't want to say monumental, but it'd be a big win for Chris Kleiman. What would be doubly important if K-State could win on the road to open Big 12 play? This is a year that K-State has five Big 12 home games Mm. and this is one of the four so if you can steal this you're in pretty good shape yeah well Scott the Jayhawks have to regroup after back-to-back blowout losses what chances do you give Kansas of picking up 
the first win, of the, the another win for the rest of the year. Well, Fitz, I think Kansas will have a chance. I think the Jayhawks have a few games at least that, that are in that, that somewhat winnable tier. Maybe you would have put them there. But the fact of the matter is Kansas has to get a lot better and, you know, in, in a lot of different categories than what has taken place basically over the last two weeks. You know, Kansas has been competitive through first halves. Uh, you know what that gets you. It doesn't get you a half win and a half win. It gets you absolutely nothing. And uh, when the results end up being a loss by 27, then a loss by 38 in front of a bunch of recruits in attendance, uh, it, it really is harmful, especially uh, when you have a pretty good crowd, especially a, a pretty good student crowd, maybe a great student crowd to start the game, uh, that then dwindles to where, you know, almost no one is in the building uh, by the end of the contest. So. You know, areas that Kansas needs to get better, I think offensively, just blocking. I know fans are probably getting a little tired of seeing uh, some of the wide zone running plays, but the fact of the matter is that Baylor ran that exact same offense and did it successfully against Kansas. Now, Baylor had time to install it. Baylor has recruited at a higher level than Kansas. Baylor has had more program infrastructure, which is hard to believe when you consider what that program has been through, uh, than Kansas. So, can, you know, that's the, the point that Kansas is trying to get to and prove that it can be at. But Kansas is doing a lot of things right now that don't look very pretty right now, that don't look good, flat out do not look good right now, especially on offense. They're doing them with the idea that they're going to need to do them in the future to be successful. And that's when you talk about wide zone and, you know, Kansas isn't getting yards out of this running play. Well, they're going to be running that, not just this year, but next year and the year after that. And so they want to kind of establish the culture. They're not selling out for results in year one. They're kind of looking through everything uh, with that lens of the big picture and, and the program and where they want to get to. Defensively, uh, I don't know how much better Kansas can get, and the reason why is the secondary. It's just so young. You know, Kansas has Kenny Logan, who's a veteran. Ricky Thomas has really struggled. He's a veteran. But your starting cornerbacks who have never started a game in the Big 12 before this year, Kansas' top four cornerbacks, there, there's a ton of inexperience in that room. There's one veteran who is a Missouri State transfer, and other than that, it's freshmen and redshirt freshmen and a sophomore. Um, you don't love that in, in your secondary, and it's, it's getting exposed right now. The linebacker spot, too, fits. Kansas has a lot of questions to answer a lot of different spots, but uh, I do think they'll have a few winnable games. Just, you know, we'll see if they actually come through. Yeah, and Scott, if your offense can't move the ball and possess it for any amount of time, your defense won't be successful. Yeah. There's just no way. Yeah. And now we step out of bounds, and out of bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, we're going to step way out of bounds in college sports, but then I'll tie it all back together. So the NBA is looking at a rule change that would only allow out-of-bounds reviews, who the ball was hit off of, if a coach uses their challenge, and they only get one challenge per game, so it wouldn't be automatically reviewable anymore. Is it time for every sport, like the NBA is doing, to start cutting back on replay? Yeah, yeah, you need to find a way to do it. And I felt like the crew that worked Kansas State's game on, on Saturday had a sense of that. There was a, a mark on a Nevada run that they, if they looked at it, it was awfully quick. Uh, there was a couple other little things that went on. That, granted, they didn't have anything dramatic to have to go to review that enemy targeting. They had none of that in the game. But they've gotten so quick to review things. I mean, uh, there was last week there'd be obvious touchdowns that they'd go, you know, announce they were going to go review it and it'd just take forever and ever. And really, it's not the number of reviews, it's the amount of time they take. I'm kind of of the belief if, if you have to slow down the tape, to see it, then no. Uh, let's let's take a few looks at it at real speed, and if it if it doesn't look like anything, quit slowing down the tape and creating something. Just move on. Let's keep playing. Uh, the officials are part of the game, as Boise and Oklahoma State 
found out mm -hmm. as they really botched that game towards the end with a scoop and score for Boise that was blown dead and then a mysterious roughing the passer yeah. call against Oklahoma State. It was just a mess at the end of the game. Yeah, Fitz, I agree. I'd like to see replay scaled back. And the, the thing I've always said is, really similar to what you just said, if, if you take two looks at it and it's full speed, not zoomed in, not slowed down, and you can't tell it's a mistake, then it's not a mistake. You know, that's part of the game. Judgment calls things like that. My least favorite thing in basketball is when someone hits the ball out of bounds and for 47 minutes in the NBA, 39 in college basketball, it's been called one way. But now if you slow it down, oh, maybe it grazed his pinky just a little as it was going out of bounds. You don't call that in the first 39 minutes of the game. So why are we calling it in the last minute of a game? I, I agree. It's time, I think, in some cases, to scale replay back. Yeah, it's just it's gotten out of hand. And it's almost like the officials enjoy the limelight, which is <laughs> odd. Now let's hear from the fans. And our fan question is sponsored by Metalark, supporting people in living their best lives. Well, Fitz, our fan question this week is, do you think K-State should be ranked? That's from Mark in Manhattan. You know, I, I don't do rankings, so I haven't looked at, you know, who would be ahead of K-State. They certainly deserve some consideration in part because look what Stanford's doing out there. They're winning games convincingly, and K-State convincingly beat Stanford, and this was a nice Nevada win. As I mentioned earlier in the show, those three teams that K-State beat are all 2-1 and one now because they've, mm -hmm. they've won their other games. You know, if I'm Chris Kleiman, I probably hope my team doesn't get ranked yeah. you know, because you don't want the distraction of it heading into this game because it's a very winnable road game for the Wildcats. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we'll look at our predictions here on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. Yeah, look at it. Soak that in, folks. Uh, the fans went 0 3, Scott went 0 3, and the other guy, that Fitz guy, went 2 1 to tie for the lead because he believes in miracles. Uh huh. Let's start off with this one. Uh, we're putting Kansas as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog at Duke. I don't know if that's enough. I don't know. We just kind of made that one up. I'm going to go with Duke. Fitz, I think you might be right on the Duke pick. I'll go with Kansas. We'll see what happens. Okay. Next is K-State uh, plus two-and-a-half at Oklahoma State. Who you got? I got K-State winning outright because I believe. <laughs> I'll take Oklahoma State, but I think this will be a great game. That yeah, should be. Our last game of the week is Iowa State minus four and a half at Baylor. This one is tough to call based <laughs> on what we've seen from these two teams. What, who do you got? I'll go with Iowa State. Okay, I'll go with Baylor. How's that for putting a lot of thought in it? <laughs> Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. Here's Scott Chasen. 
Well, Fitz, I normally cut into your time, so I'm going to do it again here. Uh, yeah. it, you may have seen today, I, I announced, I'm, I'm actually moving on from Fog.net. Today was my last day. I've, I've really enjoyed the last three and a half years writing and, and covering KU. Uh, I'm going to continue to be doing the drive and, and continue to go to games and go to press conferences and cover them uh, as I start a, a new job in a different industry. But I just wanted to say thanks to everyone who has read our site. You'll still uh, be able to get this podcast at Go Powercats. And none of that stuff is changing. But if you did see the announcement, no, I am not going in every... Uh, not going anywhere, much to the chagrin of my co-host here. No, uh, we wouldn't let Scott go anywhere. In fact, this really isn't a host and co-host. It's a host, me, and a hostage. <laughs> so he can't leave. I'm not letting him leave. Keegan got away, and look what that got me. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will start. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.